Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, I'm Steph. And I'm Simon. And this is The Food Fight, a frank discussion of food culture featuring Australia's top chefs, producers and experts. We'll chat about real issues and go places others won't. This podcast travels throughout the country and we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we gather and speak. And we pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. This one's a remote Small Bites episode. We're talking about how this lockdown's affecting the industry, about Simon's recent review in Good Food magazine and we both give a bunch of tips on how to improve your cooking at home during this lockdown. We can we can fire away with another small bites yeah. episode of the food fight. We don't do this very often, but we're doing the old remote podcast. Um, yeah, desperate times. Desperate times. We're not allowed. Well, mm. number one, we're not allowed to uh, be in the same room together. And number That's two, like because of COVID. <laughs> number two <laughs> number two we're about 300 kilometers away from one another um mm. i managed to the a couple of days before lockdown started i came down the coast down the south coast to browley here just 15 minutes south of batemans bay for the weekend and then on the saturday the lockdown was announced while we were down here so we basically stayed down the whole time um feel very lucky to have avoided uh what now looks to be a very long lockdown i think they've extended it to the 30th now yeah um, another two weeks to the 30th of july we're recording this on on the 15th so this will come out uh yeah on monday um and I mean, by all epi- epidemiological uh, modelling, we could be in for a lot longer than the thirtieth. So, anyway, I'm I'm very fortunate and very very lucky to be able to be here on the south coast and not in lockdown. Yeah, you um, bastard. Yeah, and so how's 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 life for you up there? Yeah, it's pretty pretty boring. Yeah, um, uh, it's just not a lot to do, and even now with the further restrictions, like you can't even go shopping with two mm. people from your household so um Bangalore is still open so they're outside of the mm. um, lockdown I, I can travel there for work but it's been pretty quiet so i haven't been down there a lot it's been down there once every sort of 10 days just to make sure things are going fine obviously mm. it's quite quiet most of our customers are from sydney and the state uh so just been hanging out in my house really dogs getting a lot of walks Mm. so that's good but yeah it's um it's pretty boring um it's pretty tough times like i i i like working as well like except like for some people if you like just did like your job you'd be like fuck yeah like time off but i i quite like quite like working i get bored when i'm working mm. so let's talk about let's talk about sort of how i mean it might be an interesting you know i think the experience of well actually let's first talk about let's first talk about what's going on at, at night parrot um and and how the lockdowns are affecting hospitality uh in mm. in in Wollongong and stuff and then we can talk a bit about how how it's affecting hospitality 
you know, just outside, but on in a place that relies on customers that are locked down. So mm. obviously Night Parrot's closed, back to a takeaway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, compared to last time where no one was ready and no one knew how it worked or what to do, this mm. time everyone's ready. So we switched over to doing delivery and takeaway um, five days a week. Um, it goes all right. Like there's a lot of people who want to support. Um, so especially the first weekend, sold a lot of wine, sold a lot of food. Um, and then it sort of trickles off a little bit. It's, it's consistent. Like it's enough to, enough to be worth open, but it's, uh, it's not enough to keep you going. Like if, if it, I mean, you, you couldn't run a business like that. Um, and same with most people more than going, either people have sort of shut up and been like, it's not worth it. Um, or they've stayed up and do takeaway. So lots of great takeaway and delivery options right now, which, uh, makes things a bit better. Um, you can get awesome, like baby face are back to doing their, they're like, uh, set menu thing for like 50 bucks a head which is a steal mm. um you know everyone everyone's slinging their booze everyone's slinging their food so uh it's sort of enough to get you going but um government assistance which is just starting to come along needs to uh needs to hurry up really mm. has have you have you chatted to many other people in the hospital community up in Wollongong about how they're dealing with it see i, I guess like during the first lockdown it was really um chaotic and now everyone mm. kind of is able to kind of slip back into lockdown trading mode uh, a bit a bit easier and a bit more seamlessly. Um, mm. You know, like, I mean, as you said with Night Parrot, it's worth being open. But, you know, like, are people as enthused about sort of supporting you know i remember that that sort of feeling at the start everyone was like fuck hospice fucked like please support you know support whatever bake sale whatever takeaway people are doing that's going on mm. like are people sort of getting involved in that sort of stuff with the same enthusiasm as they were in the first lockdown is it is it the same uh, pro probably it's not i think last time no one knew what was going on like mm. like no one knew if it was going to be like a month two months like six months a year like you know, was the world ending? Were, were we going to start like seeing like a Mad Max happen in real life? Like no, no one knew what the fuck was going on. So last time it was a lot of, I think people really thought, and I mean, the reality was that some of your favorite restaurants weren't going to reopen. Um, so there was that worry. Um, and like that, that made, uh, you know, everyone really want to get out and, you know, support their locals so this time i think maybe less so people still are because people still want to eat and it's a good opportunity but um it's it's probably not quite the so I mean, also like first of all it was a week then it's two weeks now it's a month so it's kind of changed when it was two weeks i think everyone even myself included was like oh it's two weeks that's fine we get through two weeks i just chill at home do it this do that keep it tight with the businesses um but now it's four it's kind of a different mentality now it's like well shit like do we do we do more takeaway? Do we try and increase that? Like, how can we, how can we get through an extra, like, like two weeks, two weeks is fine. A month is huge. Like, like I think the, the cases could, some what I've read, the cases could still go up. It's the cases out in the community. So everyone just has to stay the fuck home unless, unless they're very well protected, unless it's needed. Because if I think we still have, we can still have quite high cases, but it's the ones that are in the community that every time there's 30 more people in the community, that could lead to, you know, 90 more people or, you know, 120 more people. So I don't know, like it's, 
a, mo- a month is tough. If it's more than a month, that's real fucking tough. And government's going to come to people's aid a lot more for still workers. I mean, like, can't imagine what it's like to be um, you know, a casual worker. Um, you know, in, in uni, and you probably don't have any savings, and you've just gone like, well, okay, or two weeks, fuck, I'll get through it. Maybe go on Centrelink, but a month, like, it's tough. It's really tough. And we've already seen the struggle of trying to get staff in this industry. And a lot of time, a lot of it was last lockdown. People went and got jobs outside hospitality and then didn't come back. And this time it's going to be another hit. Yeah, I, I think that that's the sort of the next question is how does how does this second lockdown uh you know compound the effects on hospitality in the long term like do we lose more staff obviously like do we lose more businesses i guess both are an inevitability and 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 another interesting question is like surprisingly well not i don't know if it's surprisingly or not but like between the last lockdown and this lockdown there are people that have invested a lot of money into building hospitality businesses like neil perry's new restaurant in double bay which probably cost him five million dollars to build i think it costs around the four million the four million dollar mark or something like that he was he was flying flying bread in for melbourne every day that's not cheap exactly um like I think what like fuck? a lot how of does it, how does that affect these businesses? Uh, and I think a lot investments? of people, yeah, a lot, lot. I mean, a lot of people thought we were through, and like, I mean, to be honest, I did as well. I was like, yeah, we're probably we got not very lockdowns, didn't we? Yeah, and I, and I mean, the government has with their vaccine rollout and their quarantine. So yeah, but yeah, de- like definitely hospitality. I mean, hospitality is booming. Um, so mm. that's that's the first of all. That's the one thing you hope that people have saved some from this last last six months, where it has been really good um to get through but i mean this does kind of wipe out <laughs> any extra money anyone's probably made over the last six months um yeah so we're kind of, so everyone's going back to square one a little bit people who i mean this might make a lot of questions like you know maryvale buying down in aruma um iceberg's group buying up in byron maryvale buying byron as well i think so um like a lot of big businesses are looking at looking at um regional because it was going so well is this going to have a hit like uh, you know people like if I was at Biden, plans, they'd be on the back burner. Um, yeah, people see, guess, businesses, people start businesses. Yeah, an interesting thing about that regional move as well is like, if you've already invested in a region and we have a couple of months of lockdown now, like that is so much money in turnover that you were hoping to make. And yeah. one, the one thing that is happening or one of the things that is happening during this lockdown is that vaccines are happening. And yeah. we're, we're sort of getting, like, if this lockdown is a two-monther, we're sort of two months closer to being vaccinated and opening back up without that two months of trade and things yeah. like that. So uh, there's a lot of facets to it. Yeah, I mean, you, you yeah, you hope that this is the kick in the ass that we needed, which I thought, I mean, I thought the lockdowns in Melbourne would have been the fucking kick in the ass everyone needed. Yeah. But, I mean, like, what's, and what's it? Melbourne's what's now it? in lockdown again. Shout out, Melbourne. Fucking well, yeah. Cunts. Yeah, it's the seventh time or something. Yeah. Like, I know there's been a lot of short ones, but fuck. Um, but I mean, what's, what's, obviously, I've been to Bangalore, but I can't go anywhere else from there. We, obviously, we're accommodation. So that's a lot of our, our guests are our diners. So that that's dried up. So we're pretty quiet down there. What's um, what's the rest of the South Coast been like? Like, are people still at the pub? Are there enough locals to see it going through the winter? To be honest, I haven't been out that much. I'll, mm. I'll probably get out a little bit more this weekend. I might go up. I might go up to Cupid's this weekend, actually. 
Um, mm. But yeah, I've I've been. It's 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 funny. Hey, I I, I become a very domesticated kind of like I might as well be in lockdown almost. How infrequently I go to like I mean in the, <laughs> in, the um, so in the town that I live in, like I've there's 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 the odd cafe and things like that but like all i do is go, is sort of go to the beach and and go to the shops and um you know go for a surf go to the shops and cook dinner and and, and stuff like that i might get out a bit more on the weekend so like, but I've, free, freedom is just wasted on you well almost i'm gonna i actually am gonna make the most of it um this weekend hopefully and do a bit of do a bit of dining and exercise my privilege down here one of the many privileges <laughs> i have uh but yeah no I, what I, it's probably a good idea for me to have a chat to some of the business owners around here and 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 see how these things are affecting them down here because i mean mm. the lockdown did get announced at the beginning of the school holidays and there was a lot yeah. there's a lot of sydney siders who um who who would have cancelled their holidays and things like that so maybe i don't know it might be worth that mean, having a chat to Libby yeah that, or, that, that was that yeah, that was a big hit. I think that's in a quiet time in the winter. That that's a two week period where a lot of people come down stay and you, you bank on being busy. Well, and not just bank on being busy like any normal year, but bank on being busy like in a in a booming regional tourism year. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. So that would have gone from high expectations to to very to very low numbers. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess the switching switching it up a little bit away from away from COVID, and I don't want to spend this whole um, mm. half an hour nah. talking about COVID, but um, it has been interesting us talking, you know, off off mic about this podcast, and also trying to sort of figure out how to keep it going through lockdown, because mm. we have essentially recorded every single podcast that we've done in person apart from uh one that we did during our first COVID lockdown but uh mm. this year we made a commitment to release a podcast every week so me being the only one that can actually go and do podcasts it sort of forced me to think about you know who who and how uh we can we can keep it going which has been fun and mm. I hope that the listeners out there have enjoyed the last couple of podcasts um I think the one that we released during NADOC week where I got to speak to Wally Stewart and Andrew Nye, uh, a couple of uh, Indigenous men from down here, um, Wilbunja men, cultural fishermen, about a serious issue that, that sort of is mm. adjacent to the world of food, but uh, extremely interesting and insightful nonetheless. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's probably was... one we wouldn't have recorded uh or wouldn't be at the forefront to record unless you were down there um, thinking about what ones to do. Because it, it's a little bit, I mean, it's, it's, it's still food and it's still uh, food chains. And it's fascinating. It's something we're very interested in. But yeah, definitely is probably a, a good result of you being stuck down there and being like, who do I talk to? Yeah, exactly. And well, it is it is something that I've had in mind ever since I, I met Wally. Um, I've, I've met Wally a few a few months back. Well, actually, sort of uh, towards the end of last year now, when I first first met him for a production I was doing for an environmental campaign. But, um, yeah, so I, I did sort of have it in my mind as something to, to pursue. But, yeah, it's been interesting to do that. And then, and then, of course, 
today's Monday when we're recording and today, uh, no, today's not Monday, today's Thursday. Thursday. I thought it was Monday because we, yeah, we've been releasing the podcast late. That's the one hang up. But uh, talking to Steve Folletti from Moonlight Flat Oysters has been great as well. And uh, yeah, I've got I've got a few ideas in mind as well for um for other other podcasts that we'll be able to I'll be able to record down here. But I mean, for the listeners out there, there's a, there's a, there's a few more that um that might be remote. You know, we've got a few people on our list that we that we might do remotely, mm. and you might hear a bit more from Simon and I just to sort of get you through this lockdown and get us through this lockdown as well as we're yeah. you know, able to sort of be there in person and stuff. Let's sort of move on. We we are kind of deliberately moving moving away from talking too much about COVID now, but that's fine. Um, yeah. And I guess one of the we just want to make a quick appeal to the audience about supporting this podcast. So it's a very, it's, it's too serious of a tone for a small bites, um, to be honest, because <laughs> we usually spend a lot of time just talking shit and laughing a lot and it's boisterous mm. and fun, but like we need support guys, anyone listening and that the appeal that we're going to make, it comes in a couple of forms. Um, number one, if you want to advertise with this podcast, please get in touch with us. It'll cost you, it'll cost you fuck all. And we will give you some really good advertising to a, a market that is exactly you. So if you're involved in the hospitality world in any way, shape or form, if you're a commercial distributor, if you're a wine sales rep or whatever, we need advertisers in order to keep this podcast going. Simon and I have been doing this for a long time and we've made mm. dick all money out of it and we've done it as a passion project. But it is and slowly will continue to get to a point where it's becoming uh, not only financially but also time expensive hobby and passion project that will eventually become unsustainable unless we can support it financially. And then uh, secondly, if you're none of these people and you don't want to give us any money, um, if you're a no, if you're a nobody, if you're a no, then, if you're a nobody, uh, then um, please go to go to Apple Podcasts, give us a rating, subscribe, and write us a review. We mm. need to spread the word. So, a part of this effort for us to try to make this podcast sustainable by making a little bit of money out of it is a bit of a change. We are teaming up with a podcast company called Acast and we're moving the platform over to them. They've got the resources and the personnel and that sort of stuff to help us along the way to try to make this thing sustainable. And we're moving it over there. So after this episode, you are going to start hearing an ad at the beginning of the podcast and an ad at the end of the podcast. Hopefully that's not too annoying. Um, that doesn't mean that we're making any money out of it but uh, it's all a part of this journey. So we still need your help and Acast does sort of give us that credibility and that platform and that functionality mm. allows us to sort of move this thing ahead. Gives us the potential to turn it into something where we uh, can make a bit of money off it. Yeah, well, uh, the funny thing about it, Simon, is that when we when I first started the the Quicksand Food podcast with the the first episode of that would have been a part of the Southern Highlands Cookbook in two thousand and sixteen. Mm. Um, when I first are, started, are you are you Australia's longest running food podcast? I was ever? about to say that. I think that I, I think am. I think I you might be. I think you might be. 
who else has been doing a pod, doing a food podcast yeah. since 2016? I don't know. Maybe Lee Tran yeah. Lam has. I don't know. I don't know how long that's been going. Maybe. But I started Maybe. this podcast in 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 the middle of 2016, about July 2016. And you can scroll all the way back. That's why we've got almost as many episodes as Anthony Huckstep, who's seems to be doing <laughs> daily in the past in the past week. In the past week, um, but uh, <laughs> in six years, it's it's funny because when I when I started this episode, like I had no this this podcast, I had no idea of how to do it and stuff, and everything's actually kind of changed since then. So the way that we did mm-hmm. it in the past was we have a I have a, a podcast plugin that I put it on my website, and it goes through that. But what I've realized now is that everyone uses these podcasting platforms because they you know they allow for better sort of analytics and insights and and all that sort of stuff more detail in all that stuff i can't find any of that on my website it's useless i can get analytics but they're not very detailed and and aren't as useful as they need to be and nowadays everyone's on a platform like acast or wushka or something like that so it's the sort of the natural thing for us to move over and luckily i've got mm. some friends at acast who are sort of putting us on this accelerated plan to to help us get some advertising and monetize this thing. Um, Mm. So please, yes, we do need your support. Yes, uninterrupted content between advert at the front, advert at the back, party in the middle. (laughs) Exactly right. All right, Simon, that's enough. That's enough about that. Um, We've got to move on. I'm not sure if you realized recently, Stefan, I'm not sure if you saw or not, I'm pretty sure uh Bangalore was in the good food magazine that's right recently. yes that was I mean, you, might, you might not if you haven't seen it um i, I probably have it lying around it somewhere uh, yeah reviewing good food magazine big old tez mm. came in for his second meal yeah. with jill um tez, tez tez and jilly tell us about let's let's give let's give uh the mofos out there <laughs> the inside scoop so were you the, were you there the night that uh jill and terry came in to do the review yes yes yeah, cool. i was i was i was on the pans um so, so what did they, ronnie recognize him or something ronnie said hey jill and terry well we we definitely know what jill duplee and terry direct do like i mean some restaurants have their um like photos up on the wall with like what they drink what they like what things they really things they, you know, do. So, yeah honestly like I've i saw um, that. oh that, that's pretty especially in in you know two three hat star kitchens it's that's pretty pretty common um really? actually i saw the i saw the one that mama fuku had up um someone someone took a picture of recently and that had all the reviewers um who their partners were um so at the time it was like this is pat norse see him if you're rugby this is if you're rugby see him pat norse this is jill this is terry they're together jill likes this drink terry likes that that wine um Really? So like yeah yeah so I mean we, that, we don't what have that. What, what was that? Was that was the Momofuku one? That was Momofuku, but most most top end restaurants would have it. And then this is why like a lot of a lot of restaurants will Google all of their bookings, like Google their name, see like I mean you know might likely they'll know who the restaurant viewers are, but you just you want to check who you want to know who it's like top high high end restaurants. If you've got someone who's got time to do this, they'll Google everyone's name so they know you know as much information about you as possible, like you know where you work, where you're from really so yeah yeah did they do that just for the so the top end restaurants they do that just for every customer or for um are they are they kind of doing that just in case there's like a vip that they want to pay special attention to or like or is it like we just want to know i mean i'm just some fucking chump like they'd google me and be like oh we like 
oh, whatever, he's not worth our time to send him some extra <laughs> food or be nice to him or whatever, you know. Like. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. This was, they want to know who not to give to I mean, yeah, like, if, I mean, more, probably more so in Europe, Mission Star restaurants, because like, they've just got the wages are cheaper and you've got more staff. Um, mm. But, like, if, if they can find out that it's your birthday or not, um, like, you know, via Facebook or whatever it might be, and, and they can... Imagine you go to a restaurant, you haven't told them it's your birthday, and then they at the end they bring out a little thing that says happy birthday, and you're like, What the fuck? Oh my god. Like that that's a, that's huge. Like like that that will be that would just you you going back. So make yeah, a lot of restaurants a lot of restaurants Google like will you know, yeah, Google people and or at least check out their check their email address, see if it's a work email, see where they're from. Hmm. Um so so yeah, I mean, we, we we know like so. Jill and Terry had been in before. Jill wrote an article in uh, Financial Review about us. So they've been in. They really enjoyed. Uh, promised they'd be back. So we were sort of obviously hoping and and waiting. Um, so when they when they show up at seven o'clock on a Saturday, um, you're you're kind of you know all, all ready to go. It's game on. Game on. Let's and go, so boys. Were you happy with, I think one of the things that I would dread if I owned a restaurant or uh, was, you know, was the chef or whatever, I would dread them ordering badly, like not ordering mm. the best dishes on the, on the meal, on the, on the menu. And yeah. one of yeah. the people that we actually, we, we talked to, the, we talked to Joel Bickford about this, like way back in a previous episode that people can go listen to when they first reopened ARIA and um, Callan boys, it was like the week that Callan had just done their review, just done his review or something like that. We sort of asked him, how did he order? And he said, fucking well, like he ordered every dish I would have wanted him to order. You know what I mean? So how, how did yeah. he order? How did... Um, I mean, Terry promised me the first time we come in that he'd have the feast menu when he came back. So I was hoping he'd have the feast. Didn't have the feast. Um, he, he ordered pretty, he ordered pretty well. Like you anything, kind of, anything on there that, that you wish he had have ordered that he didn't or that they didn't, um, had a very nice duck dish on, which I was hoping he had. So they, they ordered pretty simply. I'm not sure if that's on purpose. So, uh, we had a little Murray cod dish with daikon and ginger and samphire. It was really tasty. They had that, they had a, a little kangaroo carpaccio thing, which, uh, I know Terry really liked from the time before. So I was happy he had that again. Uh, then they had the, I mean, they had the beef and the fish. So, Bistro like, meal. yeah, so not <laughs> like, I mean, and there's lots of, lots of snack, little cool snacks on. I think they did, did they have any snacks? They have any snacks either. So they ordered very simply. So I'm not sure if that's kind of on purpose because you can't have, a restaurant needs to be, like every dish needs to be good. So, mm. and you're, yes, yes, you're going to have ones that are better, that are worse, but you can't really bank on people just having your best foot forward. And if you can't bring every other dish up to that level, then you're not going to be, you're not going to be a hat, not going to be two hats if only half your menu is that level. Yeah, of course. So like, I think I read something Terry wrote ages ago and he said he's yet to see a restaurant go from, you know, one hat to two hats from the time he walks into the door to the time he sits down and has food, you know. Yeah. So this kind of this whole thing of like, like I, I tend not to worry about it too much. Like, I mean, we, we never knew who was coming to review us at Cavo because we never had any of the sort of big reviewers come and review us. So mm. And we never spotted anyone either, so we, we just had to you know go out and fucking cook good food every day, really. And that, that's I mean that's all you kind of can do. Yes, you definitely want to be there. Yes, you don't want it on a day where the fish hasn't come in. You're on the last little bit of beef. 
um, like you know, your staff are sick. Like you want them to come on a good yeah, at the right time, but is what it is. But yeah, they were really liked the beef. That had a good shout out. That was uh, from Target Creek local farm in Kangaroo Valley. So that was real cool for them oh, to get a cool. shout out in there as well. well. What kind of beef is that? What'd you have? What uh, it so it is. Um, they are Angus Limousin cross, which limousin's a French breed, which has. Uh, smaller bone structure, so there's actually more. There's smaller cows, but there's like, like more yield per weight. That was the one. Um, you, is that the one you were getting via Vincentia Butchery? Yeah, yeah. So they, they yeah, cool. or majority majority of meat supplied from from Erica down there. That she's awesome. Just gets us the best stuff, like from these tiny little farms um, on the south coast and southern highlands. Like to the point where sometimes I want like Target Creek got an Instagram page and has a name, and I can tag them and say about them but then half the farm she uses she's like oh no it's just steve up in southern highlands mm. who has a hundred ducks every year and that's all he sells like that's pretty cool it's though. it's it, yeah it's so small they don't have an, like they don't have an instagram or like or any any way of actually like knowing too much about them so like they're, they're that tiny little, sounds but- that sounds like a european sort of thing to me i don't know if i'm right or not but it i, I just have this perception that like in you know some random province of france like you'll have you know really a, a high quality restaurant in a, in a in a in a small town and local means yes old mate just has fucking 50 ducks oh, yeah. Here or, yeah, or, yeah, you know, yeah and he doesn't have an instagram yeah. page and you know mm. yeah yeah so uh, yeah it's kind of the people use are so so small and they're all um you know organic free range um practice regenerative agriculture so every, everything we want so those guys are awesome um and yeah short rib oh which yeah. uh big big fan of because you can kind of like you know when you get braised beef and sometimes it's just like stewed and it's kind of mush mm. has no actual hold to it and it just kind of like it flakes apart but you're like like i know exactly what you mean you yeah, can't, yeah, well, you can't bite into it and break across a fiber. Like you're just kind of yeah. mushing it up further in your mouth and then swallow yeah. it. Yeah, and if and if you did put a fork to it, it would just kind of go splat and yeah. you end up with like meat, meat strands. So like, I, I don't normally like that too much. And like unless it isn't like a stew, but like for like a nice plate of food. So short ribs really good because you can get it to a place where it's it's not a steak. It's not you know medium rare. It, it's very much well done, but it still has a little bit of pink to it. So there's a bit of color is soft but has um has enough bite and texture um what do you so do what do you, what's your what's your what's your methodology we do a little 50 50 salt sugar dry brine for like six seven hours um and then bag it cook it 72 for 24 hours minimum Back. yeah right and then it, yeah it just comes out like all the all the, the fats rendered but the meat's not mush so it just comes out really nicely and it's still like when you cut it cut into it it's still like a little bit of pink blush when, what are you finishing on uh so it's just finished over the char grill yeah okay. give a little bit of uh something something and then um use the we take this it's like cooked off the bones we use the bones to make like a little glaze to give it a little a little lick we had that That's with good, some other artichoke some pine mushrooms and native thyme jus yum so uh, um good dish yeah so what did uh what score what score did you end up getting back to terry so we went and bloody got a fifth a 15 out of 20 which yeah. um so what is like what is what does a 15 out of 20 in good food magazine mean as compared to a 15 out of 20 in the good food guide mean so 
a bit confusing. They, yeah, well, yeah, a little bit. So they're they're independent. And obviously, from talking to Miffy as well, the 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 restaurants and the scores that Terry gives are Terry's scores and his restaurants he wants to go to. So then, in the Good Food Guide, everyone has to agree on it, and the the reviews are different reviews. So I would say we would have someone else come in anonymously who would review us for the Good Food Guide. So consistency is key. But I mean. In the ratings on the paper, 15 is one hat. But it doesn't mean you necessarily get a hat in the guide. Mm-hmm. But it, it means it means when Terry came in, he felt we were at a one hat level. Yeah. Just encouraging after yeah. eight months. Well, I think that it's worth, it's worth noting as well, like when you when you started at Bangalore, like, like I don't think, it, I mean, from talking to you, it, it wasn't like, I want to get a hat as the executive chef here. It was like, no, let's let's no. let's build a dining experience that suits this place and, you know, and that is, you know, aligned with your style as a chef and will make us money and keep customers coming through the door, not necessarily, let's try mm. to get a hat. So that's encouraging. Yeah, I, well, I kept telling everyone we weren't going to get a hat. So... I look. I look like so an idiot now. Let's let's hope. Let's hope uh, you don't. Let's hope you don't get a hat, so you don't look like an idiot. Well, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I. I just for one, I always think like cooking specifically for a hat is dangerous. That's like that's very much. Th- yeah. I, I mean, Cavallo very much did that, but we were confident that we were that level, and obviously we we had we had been and had worked that level. So it was just a, a sort of change in the food and the style. So yes, we were going for a hat, but a Bangla the style is a lot more relaxed um it's not tasting menu it's sort of like share plates done well good ingredients cooking things properly um which you know is tough to get it that's not traditionally hat material and there's not many restaurants with that style that have a hat like um like nomad is a great example they they do it so well for fucking 200 people a night yeah. Um, it's insane, but yeah, like, and that's kind of the vibe we were going for. And I mean, other restaurants that are similar, maybe like Chiswick, who don't have, who mm-hmm. haven't had a hat, I think it might have had it maybe a couple of years ago, they had one. So, so it's not, it's not the type of restaurant that traditionally gets a hat. So we didn't want to make that our focus. And obviously, there was a lot, a lot to change. Like, we changed the whole dining experience there, really, from, from service to the food. We, our teams completely evolved. Um, so it's, especially initially it was like you know year one we're probably not gonna be ready or be there but you know things things move fast our teams are really looking really strong food's looking really good and i think terry just sort of got what we were doing there and enjoyed what we were doing there and sort of understood that although we don't have some of the same frills as some more fine dining restaurants everything we were doing was still of a very high quality mm. Um, even though the, you know, the, the, the window dressing was slightly different. Yeah. I don't know. It just must be a good feeling to, you know, get a bit of affirmation that you're kind of doing the right thing and, and you know, that, and I think that your point about, about not chasing hats, but just not chasing, I think that your point about not chasing hats is a really good one. It's like, if you just, Mm. like, if you have this expectation of yourself as a chef to, produce quality like whatever you're doing then yeah and you can't yeah, predict good what, things come. you can't yeah you can't predict what the good food good, good food guy are gonna like so you just gotta cook 
just hold yourself to a standard, cook good food, and then hopefully they like it. Yeah. So what are you drinking, Simon? I saw you with a beer. Um, this is uh, the art, the art of conforming. Yeah, it's Tempranillo from McLaren Vale. I did like a. I realized I had no like cheaper red at home the other day. Everything was just a speno. So if I came home like drunk and wanted to open a bottle, I had nothing. So I did a bigger order from drinks from uh, those guys in Sydney of like interesting stuff, less than thirty bucks. So I've got all these random wines I don't actually know too much about that I've been going through. Um, so it was either that or open some speno stuff just to look at your face. Uh, I prefer, there's a couple of things here. I like the idea of buying wine to drink when you get home drunk. I like that. <laughs> I like the I like the fact that you bought you bought your drink to get home drunk wine mm. from drinks. That's yeah. good too. But mm. it raises a question. What is I'm gonna go wine. I'm gonna go under a twenty dollar bottle. Under a twenty dollar oh. bottle available available broadly that is like a Simon Evans recommended wine that is like very satisfactory. Under under eighteen, under let's twenty go, is let, tough. Let's go under thirty. Yeah, I know. Under twenty is tough. Let's yeah. Go so I, th I think so. so I'll, I'll give you my little scale. If you spend less than fifteen, you're someone's probably getting ripped off, um, unless it's massively mass produced. Fifteen to twenty is a gamble. You could get something quite good, the punch bonus weight, or you could get something that's shit. 20 to 25 is generally solid. 25 to 35 will be really good. And above 35, unless you're into wine, you probably don't need to spend that much. Um, so again, like, like normally the best value are wineries who have good wine. They're like lower tier. Um, so that most people have like, you know, like their top tier stuff. And they'll have some lower tier, which will be blends, etc. Or younger winemakers with grapes that aren't that usual. So I mean, it's a Tempranillo from McLaren Vale that you see a bit of, but not that much. So it just means they would have been able to buy it fairly cheap, make good wine um, of value. And I think that was like 25 bucks. Also, I think some of the biggest bargains, Early Bank, uh, which is made by Punt Road, like it's their second level, they're just steals. Like I think they retail for like 22 to 25 bucks. Uh, there's like a Pinot, there's a Skinzy White, there's a Cap Franc, there's a Sav and a Sparkling, and they're just awesome. Just really well made from good grapes by a great winemaker, um, and they just do the job. Well, that's good to know. So, Early Bank Punt Road, what what price range are we looking at for that range? Uh, I think they're around like tw around twenty five bucks. I reckon you can find them. Um, but also, like, like if you go on to like. Almost the best thing to do, especially if you, don't, if you don't know that much about wine, go on to drinks, really good, D-R-N-K-S, or Different Drop is another really good website. They just have great wine across the board, and you're not going to get a dud. Mm. So just go on there, filter by price, 25 bucks, see what they've got, get it, and you're not going to have a bad wine. Like, like I'll, I'll check their websites out to you know find new wines or wines I haven't, mm. I haven't seen before or heard before. Like they, you know, They've got a whole team of people doing it, and they're not in the business of selling cheap shit therefore yeah. they're there for quality so like go on go on their websites you'll find plenty you'll find some under 20 um you'll find some stuff in that 20 25 mark and you really can't go wrong 
Cool. Well, there's a free advertisement for Different Drop and Drinks. Yeah. Uh, if you if you work for Different Drop or Drinks and you're listening, uh, how about paying us for some advertising? We'll say yeah. whatever you want us to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or I'll start advertising Dan Murphy's instead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, everyone's locked down um, and people are cooking at home. And we thought we'd, mm. we'd, we'd talk about uh, a bit about what our favorite things to cook at home are. And the other, the other thing that I want to get to is some of the little tips, some of the little, our, our favorite little special tips and cheat codes for mm. cooking our favorite home cooked meals. We've yeah. kind Hacks. of done a, we've, we've kind of done a little bit of this in the past where, uh, we've talked about our favorite like we have done when we talked about our favorite dishes to cook at home and i think yours was mm. um roasting a whole chicken mm. and mine was yeah i mean it's it's a bit of a cheat hack itself but it's like shucking an oyster for, for someone and handing it to them yeah, it's yeah. like it's like a pretty it's a pretty good way to to get on someone's good side um mm. so what else have you got what else have you got for us this week simon for Favorite things um, to cook at home, or let's give some people some inspo and some tips on what to cook uh, during lockdown. So, I have one really good tip, which generally fucking blows people's minds when they try it. I might have alluded this before, but if you buy a good chicken, even just like a good chicken from the supermarket, just like not a shit chicken, and then you do this little trick, people will lose their mind about how good this chicken is. Because everyone ever everyone ever cooks chicken, like everyone all the time, especially roast a whole chicken. So weird shape. So my little trick is: you get a Ziploc bag, good quality Ziploc bag. You put your chicken breast in the bag. You can put a bit of oil, a little bit of herb, a bit of salt, and pepper if you want, or you can just leave it as is. And then you get a pot of boiling water. Zip up, zip your bag up. Get the pot of water to the boil. Put your chicken in. Put a lid on. Leave it boil for one minute. Turn the heat off. Leave it for twenty minutes, and you've done like a ghetto sous vide cooking of your chicken, and it comes out like beautifully tender, succulent, cooked properly, pretty much every time with that technique. A whole chicken breast. Yeah, because you're trying to like so ch- chicken chicken. Do you finish it on a like, grill or something like that after? Well, yeah. If you have, if you have, if like I was doing it like with skin on chicken breast and I just finish it in the pan to crisp the skin up. Is it possible to do like a 60 degree egg in a similar fashion or something like that? Has anyone tried to like, cause I mean, yeah. I'm going to kick a 60 degree egg for an hour, but like, can you, so, drop, can you drop a 60 degree egg in boiling water and turn it off and let it, let it stand for three hours or something like that? Or doesn't take, doesn't take long. Um, long. So what you, what you do, I can't remember exactly. It's not three hours. It's like, maybe like 40 minutes. So what you do, is you um heston blumenthal has a recipe for this which you should be able to find but you yeah, basically what does he know though what does he bloody know <laughs> um i'll tell you uh so he fills water up to like in a in a saucepan to about a finger above an egg boil it and then you put your egg in put the lid on turn it off and you wait for a time and you'll get similar to like a 63 degree egg cool same thing so i mean i i'm not sure if heston came up with that before i came up with the chicken one um some might say plagiarism on his part i'm not sure i think so 
we'll leave that to the listeners to decide. Everyone um, knows the famous Simon Evans cooking well, chicken method. Well, we used to always do that chicken cooking method in our cookery schools at Cavo. So yeah, right. a lot of people have been taught that. People froth them out. They love yeah, it. it's just like it's just like everyone overcooks chickens. You actually have a properly cooked chicken for once. Chicken breasts are actually notoriously shit, aren't they? Like if yeah, you, yeah, like I actually wouldn't. I mean, I I fancy myself as a relatively good cook, and mm. other than like pounding a chicken breast into schnitzels or like cutting it up into small pieces for a curry or you know something mm. like that, I don't know what how to just cook. A chicken breast in ma- at home and mm. make it good. <laughs> yeah, unless I'm like yeah. stuffing it with something or flattening it and rolling it or chopping it up into small pieces and stir frying it or yeah. whatever. I don't know how to do that. Well, the thing is, the chicken so versatile is that people and, and generally it's not that tasty if you buy shit chicken mm. that you have to cover it up in a sauce or you know wrap it in something or stuff it with something rather than just enjoying the uh, the natural taste of chicken. Mm. Um, Got another meat tip for you. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Uh, for steaks, so it's beef, lamb, pork as well. Pork, you could fuck with this. Um, when they come, when you buy them from, I mean, unless you buy them, even if you buy them from a butcher, they're going to be a little bit, a little bit moist, a little bit wet when you get them, and they've been wrapped up or been packed. So you pull them out, they're very wet. So trying to get a nice sear on a steak then is very hard because there's moisture. So if you can plan ahead, if you're like, I'm going to have steak tomorrow for dinner. Put your steak just on a plate in the fridge, unwrapped, leave it overnight. If you can turn it halfway through, all the better. And you basically do like a sort of very quick, basic dry age, or a minimum you dry in the edge of the, the beef out. So when you sear it in a pan, you'll get really beautiful caramelization. That's a great tip. And I think that that tip extends to a lot of other meat. Uh, mm. any, you, you've, you've famously given that tip for your whole roast chicken recipe. Uh, yeah. the, same, the same goes for fish. Um, mm. If you want to get a nice crispy crispy skin on a piece of snapper or something like that, just a bit of yeah. time in a, in, in a fridge. And I think that people are extremely apprehensive about putting stuff in a fridge uncovered. I think that yeah. people like, think that putting something in a fridge uncovered is like really bad. And yeah. I don't think that really is the case. Like it, 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 it maybe can be depending on what it is. And you might, uh, you know, like if you, if you want to put an uncovered fucking half tomato in the fridge, like my mm. housemates might, uh, then it's going to go off very quickly, you, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but when it comes to stuff like that, it's actually, yeah, very useful. What have you been cooking at home? Well, uh, see, so, okay. So I always end up eating a lot of seafood when I'm, down yeah. here on the south coast that's good I, th- I think people people don't cook seafood much at home so when they do get it they're unsure of what to do with it or what to what to pair it with mm. and I'll, I'll i'll sort of move on to the to the broader stock topic a little bit after this but well actually no it's it's probably best to start with the stock topic but mm. Making your own stocks at home is just going to elevate anything that you put stock in, like Mm. leaps and bounds. The shit that you buy, if you buy Campbell's stock from the supermarket or if you buy powdered stock, 
I'm not too sure about some of those sort of boutique stocks you can get from delis and and those sorts of places. I don't really buy them and I don't really use them. But like, for example, the chicken stock that comes in a carton, like if you buy a liter of Campbell's chicken stock, it's mm. a vegetarian food. Like, yeah, a lot of it's, yeah, like none of them are made with it's chicken flavored. Exactly, none of them are made with chicken. So. You know, like if you're if you're buying chicken or fish or beef or whatever it is, and it's got some form of bone to it or whatever, then take those bones out and make a stock. And that mm. particularly pertains to like the way that I eat fish and the way that a lot of people like would be would be great for a lot of people to do with fish is buy a whole fish, even if you want to even if you want to eat the fillets teach yourself to fillet a fish, buy a whole fish. It'll cost you, you know, you'll pay a third less if you're buying it whole than if you're buying straight fillets. Fillet it yourself, eat your fillets, whatever. Have a nice night. But also keep those bones and make, do yourself a favor mm. and make yourself a stock because, and, and you can, you know, once you've done it, get some little containers of some sort and, fill them with your stock and put them in the freezer. They'll last a lifetime. And the beautiful thing about stock, like, is that it's not, you don't have to sit it out on the kitchen bench to defrost it. You just put it in a pot and yeah, yeah. and put it on the stove. So whether you're making a risotto or a soup or a little hot pot style thing that I made the other night, anything your heart desires, when you've got frozen stock on hand, your cooking is going to be so much better. And then to relate this to a recent dish that I made the other day, that, that's almost like a, a cheat code. Um, I cooked this just like a, like a, a prawn and chorizo Spanish style dish with some cherry tomatoes and Israeli couscous and, um, and I used some prawn stock and, you know, like if you want to do it, look, if you want to do it, if you want to be really quick about these sorts of things, fine. Buy your prawns, cook your chorizo, add your cherry tomatoes, put some Israeli couscous in there. Like it'll taste fine. But if you want to make it taste really good to the point where people are like the people that you're feeding are like, fuck, that was really awesome. All I did was bought whole prawns, peeled them, like cooked them off in a pan and added half a bottle of white wine and cooked that for, you know, 15 minutes or something like that. So I just had this intense mm. prawn white wine and added it back in um, at the end when everything was coming together. And it just made for such a fucking tasty dish. And it was such a, it's such a simple move that made it 10 mm. times better than it would have been if I didn't use utilize the flavor that's in those prawn shells. And it ended up costing yeah. me the same amount, you know, because peeled Prawn. prawns end up being a lot more expensive yeah. than unpeeled prawns and you get so much goodness in those shells. Mm. Like, yeah, prawn heads are like, they're as useful as, as the prawn meat, in my opinion. Yeah. I think another, another good tip is if, if you're not confident with filleting a fish or if you can't be bothered to peel your prawns, you can you can buy fish bones and prawn heads from your from a fishmonger. Yeah, yeah. All the like other thing we, is, um, is that you can you can you can go to a fishmonger and ask them to fillet a whole fish for you and give you the frame. So that's yeah. even easier. You can you can sort of yeah exactly, and they um, won't charge like you any if, more to fillet it. Yeah, like if I've um, 
I you, like I buy boxes of prawn heads from the from the butcher if I want to make a a bisque or a stock. So it just really? comes in a big old big old box of frozen heads. So it's not they're not throwing that out. They'll have they'll have a box about the back. So you, yeah, you right. can ask you can ask for them. So you could buy cooked peeled ones, and then you could be like, do you have the heads? Like, can I buy some heads as well? So if you, if you if you want to save the time, if you're not confident in in filleting a fish, you can still get hold of these things. But yeah, same thing. I did some uh, prawn pasta the other day, and I just roast the heads off wine, topped it up. Like also, it's really good. I'd like some parsley stalks in the fridge. I'd like a fucking shit bit of celery that had been there for too long. Half an onion that I was never going to use. And this is great to use up stuff in stock. What was it that you you cooked a you cooked a prawn pasta recently or something like that? What what did you what did you cook recently? You had another prawn. Um, yeah, I just like prawn pasta. So um, I, I think this is, this is kind of shopping well. I think chefs do this quite well, even at supermarkets. It's like just finding the stuff that's good and stuff is shit. Like you can get better pasta. Uh, at like Coles or Woolies. It's not normally in the pasta section. It'll be like a sort of more of a fresh food section and you can get like some much better linguine and mm. it it, ta- it tastes like homemade pasta rather than like mass-produced strings. So like if you just, and it's not even much more expensive either really. So like you can just get like slightly better stuff to make your eating experience better. And like it's, it's all from supermarket. I got some like some frozen raw prawns, defrosted them, shelled them, Made a stock. I was wandering around, wandering around Coles or Woolies, whichever one's that, and I saw some like tinned crab, and I was like, uh, "I'll give that a go." That was that was pretty good. Then there was some like lump fish caviar. Tinned, tinned so, so I was like, like it, was, it, was, it was just it was in like a tin, but it was just cooked white crab meat. Right. And I was like, it was like it was like six bucks. And I'm like, that's quite cheap for two hundred fifty grams of crab or something. So I was like, I'll give that a whirl. So I love trying stuff out. And there was some like lump fish caviar. So I made myself some like Kuji Pavilion baller like like but like it's kind of like well we have coochie pavilion at home this is the version i made it's like um prawn um crab and caviar linguine with like uh just a stock that i cooked the pasta in do you like that lumpfish caviar i mean like yeah it's like it's salty and a little smoky like it's not not like you wouldn't you wouldn't be doing bumps of it but um but like I just put it through my sauce at the end. So I think I, I use like use like an egg, a little bit of cream, my stock, um, and like I cooked the pasta. I finished the pasta in the stock and then put a bit of that into my mix. Mix that back through with the caviar, flake the crab in it, load of prawns, big old fucking bowl, delicious. It was really good, was it? It sounds. Oh uh, yeah, like yeah. I mean, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like I wouldn't put it on a restaurant. Maybe if I made it smaller, it was like a fucking big plate of food. By the time I'd done it, it was fun. Um, but yeah, I just made, like, again, made stock, cooked my pasta in it, real simple. And it was just, you know, a lot tastier than, than buying in a jar or not using those heads. Okay. Another question for, for the home cooks out there, Simon. And this is one that I think is people, people fuck this up way more than it needs to be. Mm. How do you cook rice at home? Oh, fuck. Um, it's contentious. So different rice calls for different measures. So if you want, if you want, if you want fried rice, rice, like Asian fried rice. Yeah, so you've got to leave it a day. Fried rice, rice. No one cooks fried rice, rice fresh, right? No, uh, like yeah, like you have to, you have to, you have to, like you have to cook it in a in a steamer. Yeah, uh, in a, or I'm sorry, a rice cooker. 
like you have to cook in a rice cooker if you want if you want asian like asian style rice sorry to generalize asia as a compliment but that style of rice neat like cooking a rice cooker there's no better way than the rice cooker that's literally the best way and then if you want fried rice you need to like chill it down overnight dry it out a bit use it um if you're cooking um like so i cooked a biryani the other day so uh indian rice dish with spices nuts fruits delicious like absolutely love it um so what i do there is soak the rice in water for like half an hour uh i keep just giving it a stir around and changing the water if you need to so it does it's not milky anymore it should be clear and then you want to make sure you really like fry your rice off before cooking it so not like deep fry but like a decent amount of oil get the rice in there get it cooking get it stirring so you just get like the tiniest little bit of color same with same with the risotto actually as well you want to give that mm. rice just like the tiniest like um sort of translucent kind of glow to it like you just see you'll just see that it'll, it'll be from that stark white to more of like a matte white color mm. then once you've got it there then add enough water to hopefully cook the whole thing um give it like a couple of stirs and then let it simmer and try not to stir it yeah right because if you stir it um you just break the rice up leaks the starch out and that's when you get really gluey rice mm. um so that's then you, that if you do that you'll get you should be able to get pretty pretty light fluffy um separate grains and that's the key with that when you're making like rice for indian food you want you want separate grains to it, it doesn't want to be sticking together no. so frying really helps them stay separate yeah um but it's really easy to fuck up rice and so many people still do it oh man, thing, so many people fuck up rice i i still do this to this day uh as a professional chef i still just cook too much rice and yep. you need to have like a big like a bigger pan to less rice if you try mm. if, if you're if you pat if your rice is like more than like two inches in the pan like when it starts to cook you're fucked mm. like it will just go gluey and messy and rubbish and you'll have a bad time your partner will leave you you'll probably lose your job yeah um, get like just just yeah you'll be cancelled um by the by the chef community like bad things will happen mm. if you do that to your rice saying that i still do it occasionally like i did it the other day and i was like i've just cooked so much rice <laughs> it's so hard to cook a small amount of rice when, but yeah so do you want me to give you i've got a few rice tips let me throw in my rice tips number one a lot of people out there including myself i'm enjoying experimenting with different kinds of rice partly for mm. the health reasons and one of those types of rice is brown rice please mm. anyone out there you know this already if you've tried to cook brown rice before remember it takes 10 times as long to cook fucking brown rice as it takes to cook mate it takes so long to cook brown rice like i feel like almost all the brown rice that anyone ever eats is undercooked because the person forgot how long brown rice takes to cook and then just went fuck it everything else is ready and i just want to serve this meal so i'm just going to serve mm. the brown rice as it is like rice isn't supposed to be a like a really cumbersome thing to get your teeth through you know what i mean and brown rice has like it has roughage to it it has fiber to mm. it and husk and things like that and i i personally and i hope some people agree with me out there the longer i cook brown rice the more it sort of takes on the texture of 
white rice, which is actually a texture I prefer, but brown rice has mm. a, a different flavor and it has, you know, some nutritional benefits and all that sort of thing. So if you're cooking brown rice, cook it for longer and just remember that it's going to take a lot longer because the amount of times that I've stood at the fucking stove with everything else ready to go, thinking when the hell is this brown rice going to be cooked? Mm. Too many, too many to count. I've learned that lesson. Don't yeah. make that mistake. Go plenty of liquid with lots wild rice or brown rice or pearl barley. Like you'll take up lots of liquid. Yeah. I think it kind of like might be a bit of a weird analogy, but I'm going to roll with it. Like it should almost be like the similar texture to like a grape where there's like that little bit of resistance on the outside. You've got the husk. When you, when you actually bite through it, then it's soft. Yes. That makes sense? That's yes, good? that makes sense. Yeah. We'll roll with that. So this is my other tip. I don't have a rice cooker anymore. Um, mm. I got, I'm sick of rice cookers and I feel like my method of cooking just your standard sort of medium grain or jasmine or whatever rice produces rice cooker like results. Mm, yeah, you can, you can still find them. So what I do now is I get the biggest pot of water that I have, boil that, put as much or as little as nice salted water, put a bit of salt in that water too, as much or as little rice as I like. I basically cook it like I'm cooking pasta, cook it until it's like just before finished. And then in a sieve or a colander or a whatever water and solid separator device, like a sieve or a colander you've got in your kitchen, I pour it into that with the water so it drains and then I put it, I put that sieve over the pot so it's sitting in the pot, if you know what I mean, like, you know, mm. touching the edges and in the pot and then I put a lid over that or I put uh, aluminium foil over the over the whole thing. So it's kind of sitting in this chamber. So I've got rice sitting in a sieve in a chamber of steam. Mm. And I just leave that for 10 minutes or however long I need until I need to get the rest of the meal together. And by that point, it's steamed and finished cooking and it's dried out and you just put it in a bowl and sort of fork it, fluff it apart with a fork and it's just fluffy and awesome and i mean all it means to me is that i just don't have to worry like i, I it never fails it never fails i hope people can kind of picture what i'm looking for but it never fails yeah i mean you're, you're just you're kind of you're, you're par cooking the rice and then steaming it yeah and so i mean it, yeah it just works every time i don't need a rice cooker. Which, which um yeah i mean, I mean that that's in, in essence that's what a rice cooker does is you start with water then the water goes and it just finishes by steaming in its own in its own juices yeah exactly but, but um, yeah, I don't know. I what, just hate what, what, getting out of it. Like really? It's, I think it's like as, as kitchen gadgets go, it's like the easiest one to... Yeah, no, I agree. It doesn't take, I, it doesn't take much space. Like, I, I, think, I, think, I think if, if, you're, if you're a dab and at the, uh, at the rice cooking like yourself, then all good. But for beginners, two ands. Two ands no, on are, the rice cooker are, at all times. Good. They are good. Yeah, um, I, I think like... I think once you've once you've graduated from the rice cooker, you can you can take a step towards your method. But beginners, I'd say, uh, use a rice cooker. 
You see, they don't like my methods because they don't understand my methods. <laughs> but <laughs> let's move on to finally, and this we should like we say this with every small bites podcast, but we should we should do a uh, a, a follow up to this one as well because there is more to talk about. But mm. um, tell me about your air fryer, the viral sensation that everyone. <sighs> everyone's using these days i don't have an air fryer never used an air fryer don't know why an air fryer is good other yeah. than some of the things that you've told me tell me about yeah. the air fryer glad, i'm glad you asked stefan um the the hot chef 2000 air fryer comes in the size of 26 liters that uh not quite sponsored by them yet uh so air fryer i was dubious as well i was like fuck is this just a new kitchen gadget um but i tried one and i like you know, Googled what, what, the, what they actually are. So it's a small compact oven with a heating element and quite a powerful fan. So it's just like a very efficient oven. Like there's some bollocks about the fan pushes like the natural fat to the food around, which makes things sort of fry. They're not really frying. Um, so air fry is a bit, of a, a bit of a lie, but chips come out very good. Like frozen oven, oven chips come out much better in an air fryer. So that, that's the first thing that hooked me. Well, from what I see online, and this is mostly from Worldstar um, Instagram, because they mm. tend to have a lot of air fryer videos. It's mm. like most most of the shit that people are cooking in air fryers are frozen stuff that's normally supposed to be deep fried. Yeah, exactly. So like it doesn't, like chips are pretty good. Uh, and I love me some chips. So I was pretty, I was like, well, that's good. But like you couldn't, you couldn't get a bit of fish, put it in some batter, and then chuck it in your air fryer like no. it would just make a make an absolute mess so it has to be like pre-done stuff to cook but once i read about how it's actually how it actually works i was a little bit intrigued so, so how does so it a couple tell, me, of, tell me more detail about so, how it works so it's got a fan so how hot can you get it so, to? so you can get them as hot as an oven so i think my one goes up to like two two thirty two forty degrees and but it will get hot fan? So the, the fan means it circulates the air more. So you get a more even consistent cook all around. Like the, so the fan in an air fryer is going to be more powerful than your oven fan. And the oven is a much bigger unit. Mm. So like an air fryer will get up to temperature in like a few minutes, whereas your big oven will take like 10, 15. Mm. You know, everyone always bangs on about preheat your oven because mm. like a normal, normal oven at home takes ages to heat up. Mm-hmm. Um, especially some of like, it's just like gas ones and shittier ones. So an air fryer, obviously, depending on the size, I've got a pretty big one. Um, and that just gets hot real quickly. So a couple of things that have been really good. Uh, root vegetables. Like I cooked like a big old bit of pumpkin. It'll be like a quarter of a, of a Japanese pumpkin. And it cooked in like 15 minutes. And it was perfect. Like to the point where after 15 minutes, I was like, oh, that's getting a bit caramelized. I hope that's cooked in the middle. Probably not, though. I put my little pokey knife through it and was like, holy shit, that's perfect. And it was beautifully caramelized, just really nicely roasted. And it took, yeah, 15 minutes where in a normal oven, that would take like 30, 45 minutes. Mm. Okay. And it was perfect. Um, the other do thing reckon, I want to put- uh, Do you reckon Brussels sprouts? It's a good time of year for Brussels sprouts. If I halved, yeah. halved some Brussels sprouts, put a bit of oil on them in the air fryer. Yeah. yeah. Blanch, blanch them first, I'd say, with sprouts because they dry out. Yeah, I, was, I did something like that, actually. Blanch them for like three, four minutes, pull them out, and then either I normally roast them in a pan, but yeah, in an air fryer. But the same thing, it's like if you put them in an oven, 
it just there's a bigger area to heat. So if you put like your sprout, your, your blanched sprouts in there, it's just going to take longer to brown them. In an air fryer, it's smaller. The fans are going, so all the air is going everywhere, and mm. you just get a browning. If you get that Maillard reaction a lot quicker. Mm. Okay. Um, the other thing, and I haven't experimented this yet, but I have a feeling that an air, a de- an air fryer might be the perfect oven for cooking souffles in. Ooh, shit! Because one time I put some like shitty frozen chicken tenders in like awful things i'm not i'm not ashamed to admit it um and when they came out they had like puffed up because it was obviously like reconstituted chicken which is like mainly oxygen so there's also this chicken that's just like fucking got like small oxygen pockets in and because of the hot air that had all expanded so these little chicken tenders have blown up to these big old fucking chubby things um and then I, then I was like i was like oh bloody great i've got bonus chicken here I've got more chicken than I originally bought. What a bargain. Um, and then they swiftly deflated to like to absolutely nothing, which is um, the last time I bought those things. But that's the effect you want. abominable. Yeah, they were. They were. And they were, they were worse coming out of this. But either way, the whole fact is that lots of, lots of hot air expansion, I'm like, that's perfect for a souffle or maybe meringue. I need to do some experiments. Maybe I'll do it. Okay, do some experiments. Report back on, in on mm. the next Small Bites podcast. I think that's yeah. enough. Um, oh, you got one, one more quick, quick note. Um, uh, old mate from Mr. Wong's, Dan Hong. Oh, yeah. He he put, he put obviously likes an air fryer. We're air fryer buddies. He did like um, a rack of lamb a ra- a rack one of the other day. Yeah. Yeah, and it came out looking bloody awesome. Mm. Uh, it might be on his Instagram. Unsure, but um, it was it was on a story. But yeah, it looked, looked great. So definitely has some applications to be used. Cool. If you want mm. an air fryer, if you like air fryers, get into air fryers. I think we're only staying, seeing the real start of their potential. Um, Simon's going to report back with souffles and meringues next week. Cool. All right. Well, let's wrap this small bites up there. Uh, this was a quick one um, just to help get us through this lockdown, being being away from each other. Simon, oh, how I miss you. How I miss seeing you every week. And Bloody hell, mate. And, Bloody and, hell. You turned me to drink. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess everyone out, everyone out there who listens to this is into food, but definitely get out there and support like i mean whenever these fucking lockdowns happen get out there and support local businesses if like if a business is doing something like say what andy is at babyface or what any business is doing where you can pay 50 bucks and get a three course meal you know at home or whatever it might be you know even cook at home stuff or bottle shops or bake sales or whatever like they're not just doing this for fun they're doing this because it's the only way they can make any money during lockdown. And so like, it's up to us to support them, to help them keep their businesses alive, essentially. So get out there and support them. If you thought, fuck, I'm going to just order some fucking hello fresh shit and just cook it at home. Or I'm just going to go to my one shop at the shops um, this Saturday night. Get some treat yourselves. You deserve yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, just had caviar. you've got just... like you've got plenty of time to in your day if you're not working to do like an old school shop where you go to Leisure Coast for your for your fruit and veg. You go to Cleaver and Co for your meat. Go to Harley and John for some fish. Yeah, 
go exactly. find you know find like a you know, a small small provador buy some fancy stuff from two providors um and make yourself some nice dinners and then you know one 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 day a week no one day a week one oh, maybe one day a week more than one day a week go get some baby face food or some you know soko or or buddy needing ruby or night parrot or whatever yep for sure and especially especially those new restaurants like if a if a, yeah. if a restaurant if a restaurant opened in your suburb in the last month mm. and, they're, and they're now doing takeaway go fucking buy their takeaway because those bastards yeah. have no money so yeah, yeah. <laughs> go support them um happy lockdown hopefully mm. as good as it can be for you all out there thinking of you guys yeah. in melbourne who are back in it again uh and get vaccinated yeah sweet done out see you in the next episode Ladies. Hello, dear listeners, Steph here. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of The Food Fight. If you want to get in touch with us, it's at The Food Fight Podcast on Instagram or The Food Fight Podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you and we want to talk to you. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That really helps. If you want to hit me up, it's quicksandfood.com or at quicksandfood on Instagram. And if you want to get in touch with Simon, it's Simon underscore Evans underscore.